This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Good morning, good evening, hello, wherever you are. Welcome back to the AirPod. I'm your host, Omid Scobie, joined by my co-host, Maggie Rooley, for the latest catch up on all things royal this week with a pretty sort of environmentally focused episode this week mags it is hi omid you know that beginning reminded me of the truman show one of my favorite scenes where he starts off and he's like good morning good afternoon good evening and if i don't see you good night (laughs) (laughs) i like that i just referenced a movie from like 20 years ago to start this podcast i immediately apologize to everyone but you know when you see a reference you gotta just go for it omid you gotta go with it (laughs) It's been a busy one this week. We had the launch, or I guess the sort of second part of the launch of Prince William's Earthshot Prize, which we're going to get into very shortly, um, as well as a deeper dive into the world of the royal family and conservation, because I feel like it's something that uh, more than a few members of the Mm -hmm. family seem to really champion. We'll also be catching up with the Duchess of Cambridge, who visited students in the UK this week affected by the global pandemic, and elsewhere in in the world of royalty we'll be catching up with the Sussexes as they prepare to mark the International Day of the Girl. Harry surprised marathon runners in LA and the Queen surprisingly thanked the British press. Surprise. Yeah, their... that was a good curveball this week. <laughs> for providing reliable sources of information amid the pandemic. Now, it is important to clarify that this is about a particularly important moment in time and not necessarily about the press (laughs) in general. But it was interesting to see the Queen uh, really sort of make that acknowledgement to the press. I feel like she was speaking right to me, Omid. (laughs) She was really talking about your work. Thank you so much, (laughs) Queen, for recognising all that I do. (laughs) This was actually uh, marking Journalism Matters Week uh, for this year and she had uh, sent a message over um, in light of the COVID-19 pandemic saying that it demonstrated once again the important public service that the established news media provides both nationally and regionally. Um, She acknowledged that the world and the media landscape has changed dramatically, uh, particularly when it comes to trusted, reliable sources of information, um, but went on to uh, thank those that had become uh, sources of vital information, uh, particularly during these difficult times. And I think this really has been a moment in, in our lives where I think so many have relied on wherever it is that they get their information from to sort of accurately inform them on where we're at at particularly confusing time I would Mm -hmm. say yeah and on Joseph's side it was it was really nice of her to recognize that group uh during a week you know where where we are recognizing journalists around the world I I did find it really interesting though that she did put that um fairly you know large caveat in there of established British media uh which you know (laughs) in today's day and age is important to remember of uh media uh education as well and so you know I, I think it, it's interesting that she definitely ma- made a point to say thank you to the certain people you know who you are 
Exactly. And thank you next to all gossip and yeah. clickbait. <laughs> uh, now, we did have big news from Prince William this week, launching his most ambitious project to date. Uh, we had new details of the Earthshot Prize, which mm. was announced in December last year. Um, but the information that came this week, that it is now a $65 million wow. prize attached to this initiative. Now, the money will actually be split up into uh, 10 different award ceremonies uh, over the next 10 years, so between now and 2030. And each year, we'll see five individuals or organisations or uh, science labs, or anyone who has, has really contributed a substantially uh, impactful uh, solution to a number of our global environmental challenges. And there are five uh, very specific categories for that. Maggie, I think you've got them there. Yeah, the five that they outlined as ways to really actually help the world were protect and restore nature, clean our air, revive our oceans, build a waste-free world and fix our climate. So these are big, ambitious goals, and they want to do it in 10 years. But, you know, the, the, the two big things that I loved about this, Omid, that really stuck out is, you know, um, William made the point to say, and which, which is true, you know, when we talk about climate change, there's often so much negativity associated with it because, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a very serious, um, often negative thing. You know, we see what's happening to our climate, to our world right now. It is scary. It's emotional. And so much of it seems lost like we can't do anything so uh, he made the point that he wants these earthshot prizes to be all about positivity and sort of the other side of the coin not about you know all the horrible things that are happening but instead all of the amazing things that are happening to try to save the planet and so i love that shift of focus that you know we're going to focus on these big ideas that could actually change the world in these five main categories and focus on people that are doing some really incredible things all over the world too you know they really made a point to stress the diversity and the global aspect of this, that they're going to try to make sure that, you know, all of the continents are represented, all sorts of people are represented, and they're just going to find the best ideas wherever they are. Uh, and they, of course, the, the mission here is that by the end of this, by, by the end of 2030, we'll have 50 um, practical solutions that will contribute to repairing uh, our, our planet um, and, of course, the many um, environmental issues that we're currently dealing with at the moment. And you speak about it being very global. They also announced uh, a prize council that will help pull together those five finalists each year. And they went into great detail about uh, exactly what the process will be. But I think most interestingly to everyone were the names that have been attached into it. And it, uh, beyond sort of uh, Prince William and Sir David Attenborough, who we already knew was part of this project, um, they announced 11 other names, which included Shakira, Kate Blanchett, Akweet Rania of Jordan, and uh, Yao Ming, the legendary basketball player. It um, it's a, a long list. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting group of people. Yeah, it covers six different continents. So we're mm. looking at sort of Brazilian soccer star Danny Alves, uh, the Costa Rican diplomat Cristiana Figueres, uh, former mm. PepsiCo CEO Indra Nuyi. It goes on. And of course, uh, we've got Chinese business magnate Jack Ma on the list too. Mm. So it's a really diverse list. And I think what's important about this, it shows just how wide-reaching they want this event to be this will take place in a different city every year the first year next uh, fall will be in london but beyond that it could be anywhere across the six continents that are represented 
in this initiative. Um, and I think it's a really, listen, it's ambitious. There are certainly no shortage of environmental prizes in our world. And we've heard other environmentalists such as Greta Thunberg talk about uh, the, the just sort of overwhelming amount that we have and, and why some um, eco-advocates aren't actually involved in things like this at the moment. But I think what what's important about this is that this is really something that's a, uh, going to be available to anyone to be a part of. So when we do talk about uh, those that can bring that change, we're not just talking about researchers and scientists. This could be from a scientific team um, in Norway to a 12-year-old in a classroom yeah. in Kenya. So it really opens it up to everyone. Um, but of course, there is a process to get to that prize council. There'll also be a glo global alliance of partners that include Greenpeace, uh, WWF, uh, the UN Environment Programme, TED Countdown, uh, a really long list. Um, and each of these will submit their selections to a panel of international experts who then make their recommendations mm. to the prize council of the names that we just discussed, who will then pick those five winners. Um, there's a lot to unpack, but I think I think what's what's exciting about this is that it's happening. Um, you know, we've been talking about it for a while, yeah. and what was interesting to hear some of the backstory about it. Kensington Palace actually brought all of the press together, including ABC News, uh, for a media briefing to just sort of tell us exactly how this had come about. And you know, Maggie, you and I were talking last week about the um, a Planet for Us All documentary that William had mm. contributed to, and it was during that do documentary we see him. Uh, visiting Namibia, Kenya and Tanzania to tackle some of the illegal wildlife trade and conservation issues that take over there. There's a very powerful scene where he's uh, seeing a, a sort of mountain of elephant tusks or rhino tusks that had been confiscated by authorities. And uh, William, clearly very emotional by that, um, we sort of saw just how m emotional a trip it was for him. And the palace say that it was actually during this trip that was when the ideas or the first ideas started swirling in his head about creating at least a bigger conversation mm. about the global environmental challenges that we face and finding solutions for them. And so when he came back to the UK, and this is sort of late 2018, he met up with Sir David Attenborough uh, to discuss what is now, of course, the Earthshot Prize. So it's been in development for a while and, you know, we're now seeing the fruits of that labour. Well, I do love that sort of the energy behind this prize because it seems like they really want to make the people that win this uh, celebrities in their own right. They want to create this buzz and this energy around environmentalism and, and conservationism where, you know, these are people that should be treated almost like sports stars and they are doing things to really mm. save our planet. And so by one, giving them a lot of money uh, that has to be used towards their project, we should say, um, and also sort of creating this, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can't just go do whatever you want with the million, um, but giving them money for their project and then also, you know, really treating them like stars and, and taking these people seriously and giving them energy and buzz. It's really exciting. And, you know, one other thing that I really loved out of all of this, um, Sir David Attenborough, who we mentioned is, is on the, the, the uh, prize council as well, but they were, he was asked about, well, what kind of ideas are we looking for, right? Like, is it go how sciencey does it have to be? And he responded saying something along the lines of, you know, 
even if it's a crackpot idea, we want it. <laughs> Meaning like he wants all the crazy <laughs> ideas, the things that might not seem like they're ever going to work. They really want to hear from people that might be ignored otherwise. They want the ideas that seem outlandish and outside the box because, you know, often sometimes those are the ones that really make a difference. And so if this is a place where those kind of ideas are celebrated and encouraged, it could be really exciting. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it's it's prizes like this that really are the catalyst for change that is needed at times like this. And I think it's important that, as you pointed out, to, to create this sort of celebratory moment about the individuals that are being recognised at these annual ceremonies to turn them into household names as such because actually we're in an age where it is having that platform that mm-hmm. really uh, allows the change to happen it's not necessarily the solution itself but it has to come hand in hand with uh, that sort of soapbox to actually stand on and share it with the world uh, and William actually spoke about uh, his optimism and uh, this sort of need for a catalyst uh, during a chat with BBC Radio 4's Today Show earlier this week, where he said that the urgency with optimism really creates action. I do feel that you have to have the urgency and the importance of what's going to happen and the, the seriousness of what is coming along. And there are plenty of people talking about that. But I, I personally feel, and I think a lot of the council uh, of the prize feel that we must have some hope, we must have some optimism, because if we don't, it is all too much it is very apocalyptic i can't even say it apocalyptic about things and i think you know these are grave times for the environment but i do believe with human ingenuity and i do believe with younger generations speaking up like they are now that they will not stand for this lack of hope this lack of idea that we can't fix some of these big solutions Now, the first ceremony isn't taking place until next year, but the nominations for the first Earthshot uh, actually begin uh, from November the 1st. There'll be over 100 nominating partners invited to cast their entries, very much in the same way that the Nobel Peace Mm. Prize works. Um, And in fact, there have been comparisons made to this initiative uh, to the Nobel, or calling it the sort of Green Nobel um, of, of the sort of environmental space. And, and that just sort of shows the aspirations that have come with a project like this. It'll be very interesting to see if we see or hear from other members of the royal family mm. getting involved. In fact, that was one of the questions most asked <laughs> during the recent media briefing was that, will we see the Queen acknowledge this in What was some the way? answer? And, and the, ans- the answer was, watch this space. So uh. I imagine that that is a, a soft yes in, in the way that the palace usually... Uh, comes as, as as close to a yes as they can get. <laughs> well, I'm really excited to see what kind of uh, in- initiatives and projects people come up with. I mean, I love when people are kind of pushed to um, see past their boundaries and, and come up with creative things. So it could be really cool. Absolutely. Well, speaking of other members of the royal family, Prince William is not the only environmental advocate uh, within the firm. And we'll be having a little chat about uh, the world of the royals and eco-advocacy after the break. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it... <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Welcome back. 
Maggie, we were talking just before the break about uh, how other members of the royal family um, are just as involved in environmental issues. And it's it's interesting that now we sort of reach this point where we kind of see uh, we've got Prince Charles, Prince William mm. and Prince Harry all launching sort of landmark environmental initiatives um, at almost the same time. But uh, it's clear that each one has sort of got a slightly different aim. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, I think this is such a big space and such a big, important topic that touches upon really so many problems and issues we're facing today that in a way it seems like they might crowd each other. But, you know, there are plenty of issues out there to focus on. And so it's kind of cool that they're all uh, under the same big umbrella, but choosing a very specific lane to focus on. Mm, Prince William spoke about how much his father and his grandfather had inspired him um, to really sort of go down this route. And he hopes that he'll become that sort of same inspiration to Prince George, uh, Louis and Princess Charlotte um, when they become of age. Um, But it's interesting to look back at just some of the impact that members of the royal family have had within the environmental space. Um, Prince Charles is a president of WWF UK and Prince Philip was also a president and co-founder before him. In fact, Prince Charles uh, set up the Prince's Rainforest Group in 2007 uh, to find practical solutions to slow tropical deforestation, combat climate change. We've seen him speak at the UN Climate Summit uh, more more than one occasion um, and more recently giving that keynote speech to the Oslo Climate and Forest Conference. So Charles has really probably had the biggest impact within this space. Mm. I think he's been certainly the most outspoken and I think he himself has referred to the fact that he's been talking about it since it long became a cool issue to discuss. (laughs) I think he was really one of the first, uh, I think, public figures in this country to talk about uh, wasted plastic. And this is sort of Mm. going back to the, the late 70s at a time when plastic was probably being used for absolutely everything uh, with abandon and with no thought behind it. And of course, we've now seen that effort that he makes sort of uh, cr- carry across all of the royal households as well. He's put a, uh, no, a, a, pl- a plastic ban mm. on all offices that are related to him. I think it's a paperless office at Clarence mm. House. No one is allowed uh, to print or <laughs> do anything that could be considered wasteful. Um, and it sounds a little extreme, but I think it's it's that case of leading by example. Mm-hmm. And you can see how far it carries along then um, across Uh, the other royal households and even within uh, sort of royal workspaces. Well, I think it's such an interesting point you make. I know William sort of uh, poked fun at that even, that, you know, his dad's been doing this before it was cool and I hope that my son can look back at me and know that I was, you know, also taking these issues seriously and sort of passing on to the next generation. And what's, what's been great about watching sort of all of the members of the royal family work in the same avenue is, you mentioned Charles been working on this since well before even the 70s, you know, quite really, his whole life really. And even now though, he's still looking towards the future. It's not something that he's, you know, given up on or lost enthusiasm for. Uh, right now, you mentioned those keynote speeches he's been giving and he's been a big proponent of um, this thing called the, the Great Reset, where uh, to take a moment to look as we're hopefully coming out of this pandemic uh, and uh, changed people. And he 
using this moment to reset and how we look at the future. And he's made the point to say we shouldn't just be investing in you know, the economies going forward, but also making sure we're investing in conservation and the environment and that all those things are really linked. And he even put the threat out there recently that what we're going to see from climate change uh, will overshadow anything we've seen from this pandemic. So it's something clearly that he still takes so seriously. His enthusiasm is not fading. And if anything, it just seems to be uh, becoming something that's more and more important to him over time. And it's great to see how much that he has inspired his own children. I think, you know, Prince Harry and his work on the Travelist mm-hmm. initiative is something that, you know, there's still so much more for us to see from that. But, you know, it's already been announced, this sort of bold global initiative um, that he found alongside Booking.com and Skyscanner and Trip.com, TripAdvisor and so on uh, to really sort of like uh, restructure the tourism mm-hmm. industry and 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 create ways in which travelers can think about uh, how they move around the world um, and, and do it in a sort of in, in a like slightly less disruptive and more impactful mm. way or more positively impactful. Yeah. Talking about the great, you know, reset that Charles is, is putting forth. I mean, what a time for travelists after so many people have stopped travel and are looking to start up traveling. And I think people want to do it in sort of a, a smarter, more eco-friendly way. So, uh, you know, I know travelists has sort of been put on pause a bit because of the pandemic, but I think that when people start traveling again, it'll be more important now than ever. Yeah, exactly. And I, and that's something that Harry himself has said that, you know, this pandemic has really pushed everyone back to sort of rethink oh. about how they introduce travelists to the world. And, and it's put them in this really important moment, a pivotal moment, I would say, for the tourism industry to actually bring that change in at a time when I think everyone is extremely open to it. You know, Harry's idea for Travelist started a long time ago during some of his early visits to Botswana. And, you know, it's somewhere that he's traveled to every year. And he himself found that whilst uh, the tourism industry for that area was certainly getting bigger and the travel operators and, and the sort of excursions that were available were getting sort of bigger and more luxurious, mm. he found that the communities within Botswana were actually relatively the same as when he had first started visiting there. And so that's really one of the big focuses of uh, travellers is ensuring that the communities uh, that tourists and travellers are visiting actually benefit from that business Mm. and it's not just sort of existing within a separate ecosystem. And ultimately that then feeds back into the environment and the surroundings of those communities because then the money goes beyond um, just uh, sort of making the lives of the people within those communities better but also the surroundings and more focus can go on those things that I think that in, in certainly more developed countries, we have that benefit, that luxury mm-hmm. to think about uh, doing things in a slightly less or slightly more eco-conscious way. But that's not a, sh- a thought that can be shared universally until everyone is sort of on a more sort of even playing field. Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting to see how all these initiatives play out over the next few years. And you know, the exciting thing is that there's such enthusiasm and backing behind it. And, it sounds like, you know, across the royal family. Um, and I'm curious, Omid, your thoughts. Do you think that, that they'll all sort of work together on these separate initiatives? You know, each of them obviously has, as we've said, their own path, but they are all sort of interrelated. Uh, do you think they'll support each other in, in these endeavors? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we certainly have seen them. We've certainly seen William and his father join forces in the past. I mean, I think it was in 
must have been six or seven years ago now, uh, Charles and William hosted a summit of um, international law enforcement and wildlife Mm. groups. Um, And this was their sort of war on poachers. And this was to tackle the $15 billion or the time, the $15 billion illegal trade industry that sort of existed uh, and thrived, unfortunately, off of uh, endangering wildlife. And that's Mm. something that Williams continued to do, obviously, as patron of the Tusk Trust. That was something that we saw him touch on. Uh, within the A Planet for Us All documentary that recently aired. Um, And Charles himself has spoken about how he wants to inspire his grandchildren to sort of pick up the baton one day from their fathers and their grandfather to, to do that same work. But at the same time, I do think that there perhaps might be a little competitiveness within the space yeah. too. It's something, you know, usually we see members of the royal family focus on uh, very unique issues or causes to them. And that sort of becomes their space within that sort of philanthropic landscape. Um, and the environment and, and climate change and eco issues, are the one thing that we've seen shared by a number of members of the royal family always at one time. Um, so it's making sure that all of them have that space to exist uh, within that. And I, I you know, understand that there were times in the past that Harry certainly felt frustrated being slightly lower down on the sort of running order that he wouldn't necessarily be a priority when it came to launching uh, such initiatives such as Earthshot Prize. You know, I would imagine that's something that Harry is now capable of doing uh being independent for the royal family but within the royal family this is the sort of big ticket item that the future heir to the throne will get not someone that's sixth in in the line oh that is really interesting but at the end of the day i'm happy that at least they're all trying to find their own because like like we said uh this is such a huge issue there's plenty of help that is needed and so i mean on one hand the more the merrier yeah exactly Now, it hasn't all been about one Cambridge this week. Uh, We saw uh, the Duchess of Cambridge uh, go back to school this week um, in a slightly different way. (laughs) It was for a public engagement, um, but one that saw her visiting the University of Derby to speak with students about how their mental health has been impacted amid the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. Because, of course, uh, university students up and down the country have been back at Uh, their halls of residence and on their campuses. But it's been a really challenging time for them. As we've seen, there are many students in uh, universities across the country who are stuck Mm -hmm. within their accommodation in self-isolation. It's been a particularly difficult time. Yeah, you know, pandemic was so tough on so many people, but the stats show that young people were really suffering from depression and anxiety under lockdown. And going back to university and college was great. But like you mentioned, the UK in particular is having a huge problem with people now having to quarantine or isolate on campus. And it can be very stressful and scary. And this is all happening during formative years of your life. So I thought it was really cool that Kate went back to talk to these people uh, who I think are often overlooked. You know, people think, oh, you're fine. You're 19. You should be excited. You're at school. Uh, But you have to remember what it was like to be, you know, 19 at university. those are actually pretty stressful times. Then you add in a pandemic on top of it. So I think it was great that she made the point to to go to these students, to talk with them, to take their issues seriously, to make sure they feel like someone is listening to them. Uh, I also loved just, this is a total fluffy, fluffy side note, but I loved all the headlines of like Kate on campus because um, she, <laughs> she is so good at it. I mean, she looks like she could still be a college student. So I felt, I felt like she like fit right in. 
<laughs> you know, I feel for university students at this time because imagine going to going off to college it's your first year the ex- I, I loved university I just had such a blast from day one and mm. to do that socially isolated <laughs> I just oh, can't so imagine hard. anything worse yeah no it's true and I think that's why now more than ever it was great to uh, sort of pay attention to those people and let them know, like, we get it. This really is not a good situation and we're all sorry for you. Yeah, this visit came, comes ahead of World Mental Health Day, which is mm-hmm. this weekend, actually. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was a chance for Kate to not only speak with those first-year students who probably are finding this all very surreal, but also speaking with nursing students um, about the effects that the pandemic's mm-hmm. had on them and their schoolwork, you know, whether it's uh, changed the body of work that they're studying. Of course, this is something that's relatively new in our conversation, yeah. but what I would imagine has uh, will have an impact on the curriculum, uh, for t- particularly for, for students within that space. Oh, that's really interesting. Talking to the people that are sort of the the next uh, essential frontline workers as they're training and they know what they're getting into and they're still there training to do it. It's actually pretty incredible. Exactly. Well, straight after World Mental Health Day is International Day of the Girl on October the 11th, which Harry and Meghan will be acknowledging or marking in a way that I think we've got, gotten pretty used to by now uh, via virtual chats uh, with the global icon Malala Yousafzai. Now this will be done uh, in partnership with the Malala Fund, uh, which is an organisation that takes a look at the unique challenges that women and girls around the world face when it comes to accessing education. Um, And this conversation will not only look at that, but also how the pandemic has affected the situation. Um, uh, The press statement says that their conversation looks at the COVID-19's disproportionate impact on young women's access to education and how everyone can all contribute to a more equal future for girls, as well as the value of education in their own lives. So very, very much uh, up Harry and Meghan Street. This is an area of particular importance to Meghan, who's really sort of focused on equal education opportunities since long before she even became a member of the royal family and mm-hmm. you know it's great to see them back in this space um it's been a relatively quiet week for them actually um i feel like they have dominated the headlines for the past i don't know how many episodes they needed a break of this yeah. podcast that we've done <laughs> i think we can forgive them for for taking a back seat for once yeah, exactly but it is interesting though you know i appreciate this year that uh, they're speaking to what's happening in the world and you know it's not just education for young women that's really uh, been hit hard during this pandemic but even in places like the UK and the US uh, women have been disproportionately affected with employment opportunities during the pandemic and you know more young women are um, unemployed they have greater rates of unemployment right now more young women are um, also you know bearing the brunt of more child care and and stepping back from their careers and so I think it's a really interesting time to be uh, talking about this and really important that they're still shining the light on this issue you know clearly there's so much happening right now and there are so many important issues but the fact that this has always been important to them that they're still focusing on it and, and making it relevant to today I think is so important yeah and as you say the numbers really highlight how grave an issue this is you know the latest figure showed that there are over 130 million girls around the world who are out of school mm-hmm. um which you know it's 
a serious crisis and you know I think with the pandemic it will only make that more difficult um yeah so I think it will be a really interesting conversation we'll have highlights from that in the next episode um but before we do go I want to share a little ah moment of the week (laughs) oh this was so many this is my favorite thing that happened all week Omid this happened just after we finished the last episode actually Uh, David Attenborough recently if you don't follow him on Instagram go and follow him now he recently launched his own Instagram channel and he alongside it launched his own uh, Ask David series so uh, (laughs) celebrities public figures politicians around the world can send in any Christians that they have Um, and first on the list were the Cambridge children Charlotte Louis and George who all had something to say Hello, David Attenborough. What animal do you think will become extinct next? Hello, David Attenborough. I like spiders. Do you like spiders too? What animal do you like? Oh, man, come on. Is that not the cutest thing you've ever heard? I was just like in <laughs> love with these children when they were asking him questions because they take, they're so earnest. They take it so seriously too, but they have these cute, well, as an American, I find their accents adorable, obviously. So they have like cute little accents and they're asking, you know, David Attenborough all these really important grown-up questions. I'm sorry, we just don't really get to hear from them ever or see them all that much. And so um, seeing them like this, just my, oh, my heart. <laughs> my, I think my weak spot is children that can't pronounce things properly. I don't know why, but that, <laughs> if I'm in a bad mood, that will certainly lift my spirits. Um, but you know what surprised me about this was that I don't know if it was as noticeable to you or not, but the ac- their accents are relatively sort of everyday British children's accents. I was expecting yeah, something you were saying. Yeah. a little plummier. <laughs> from the Cambridge children did it make you appreciate their accents then you know I was just I was just surprised it was it was it was somewhat refreshing in a way because we've heard Mm. royal children speak in the past and you know it often sounds very different but I think that speaks to a lot about the fact that the kids are being educated in schools in London Mm -hmm. they're incredibly diverse and I think that despite their opulent surroundings they are growing up in somewhat or as close to normal an environment as they can well i for one vote for more cute instagram videos from them all right (laughs) i'll see what i can (laughs) do if anyone cares yeah see what you can do well thanks again everyone for tuning into the show this week uh thanks for all the tweets as well do keep them coming in send them to myself at scoby on twitter or at maggie Woolley on the same platform just use the hashtag the airpod to stay in touch with us and so we can find you um until the next episode um maggie thank you again always a pleasure see you later (laughs) take care